I've titled, I've titled my message this morning, Letter from Prison 2, Live Life This Way. There are a lot of things in life, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of instructions in the Bible that could go right along with this same title. Uh, so I know it's not original, I know it's not new, but I believe as Paul goes on this morning in this, in this passage of Scripture, he's given us some ways that we as Christians should live in this life. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for your sake, for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word both gives instruction and encouragement, both Dis, dis, disciplines us and disciples us as we walk through this life. Help us, Lord, to discern for us today your word in our lives. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, I think of a, a lot of things, you think of a lot of things in life, and, and to succeed in anything in life, there's a path to follow, right? You know, our kids are in sports, and, and for them to succeed in, in that sport, you know, they've, they've got a, a plan to follow. For you and your job, you can't just show up and do things the way you want to, can you? And expect to, one, keep it, <laughs> or to get better at it, and to become the person in that job you want. So no matter what we do in life, there's a plan and a procedure to become what we need to be, or what we should be. And, and how much more the case in our Christian faith? How much more when we, when we think about following Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, would he, would he not lay a plan out for us so that we could be the very best for us, but also so that we could reach those around us more effectively? And so if we are truly walking according to the, you know, to the plan and the purpose that he has for us, then we're going to be most effective in our lives as we live them for him and as we reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So some things that we're going to look at this morning, the first of which is accountability. He starts off, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. You see, Paul here saying, Listen, you have to live in such a way that shows that you're worthy of Christ. It's not about your parents. You know, many of us in here have very, very godly parents. Some in here do not. So it's not about your parents, although that probably helps us down. Believe me, I believe it helps us. But, but Paul saying, listen, you have to live this way. You can't, when you get to the stand before God, you're not going to be able to say, oh man, God, my mama, she spent hours in prayer. She prayed and she was faithful and, and man, she loved you and she served you and she, she did all the right things, God, so let me on in. Now, that'd be okay because I'd be, 
I'd be in. But Paul says, let the manner of life be worthy. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. You live it out. You walk it out. You talk it out. Let the way you live your life be in such a way that you're worthy of the gospel of Christ. Be accountable for how you live your life. Be accountable for, for your mistakes. Be willing to stand up and say, yeah, I messed up. God, help me. Be willing to, to grow in the Lord. Be willing to put yourselves in those places of discipleship where you are, are, are taught, where you can learn, where you can, where you can draw from, from the Lord, whether it be listening to preaching or, or singing or, or reading for yourself or whatever that is. Put yourselves in those places where you will grow and you will be strengthened, and you will be nourished. Live your life in such a way. And, and when you do that, it will, it will show to those around you. People will see something in you that they will remember. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So think about this for a minute. As, as a parent, you, you, you love your kids and you teach your kids and you train your kids. And then there comes that moment when you're going to leave your kids home by themselves. Oh, everything's going to be good, isn't it? <laughs> You want to be able to go and trust that they're going to do what you've trained them to do. That they're going to live in such a way while you're gone that you don't have to worry about them every minute, right? That's what you want. That isn't always the case, is it? But that's what your desire is. Your desire is to think, man, I've trained my kids. You know, when I come home, the house is going to be clean and, 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 you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to have went to bed when they're supposed to go to bed and, and they're, they're only going to watch what they were supposed to watch and they're going to only eat what they were supposed to eat and things are going to be smooth. And unfortunately, that's not exactly the way it always ends up, but sometimes it is. But as we think about our relationship with God and we realize, um, God expects out of us to live in such a way, not only when people are watching, but when they're not. Paul says, listen, I, I, I've, I've taught and I've prayed and I've worked with you. And, and my heart is that you would live that way, whether I'm there with you or whether I'm not there with you. My heart is that you would live that way. You know, the sad, a sad thing and my wife and I have talked about this, and I'm sure every, every pastor that's ever pastored a church has talked about this and thought about this and, and, and prayed about this, is, is someday when you move on, that though the things that you have done will not have been fruitless. That the people that you have taught and trained and poured your heart out to would remain steadfast in the faith whether you're there or whether somebody else is there, that their faith would still remain, not because it wasn't about you to begin with, it was about God. But many times we lose sight of, of that. I'll be honest, many times we, 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 
idolize the pastor more than we do the God, more than we do God. And many times in churches, when the pastor leaves, the church falls apart because too many people didn't have their faith in, the, in God, they had their faith in the pastor. Now, I believe pastors should, should, should have a, a place, or, you know, I think people should love them and respect them, but not more than God. And I can say that as a pastor, because it's not about me, but it's about God in me that, that, that we, we're building on. And, and so, whether I'm here or whether I'm gone, my prayer is that, that we live the same way, that our passion it, it, for, for the lost is, is there, and, and the way we live, whether the pastor is overseeing or, or whether it's somebody else. And so the Apostle Paul is like, you know, these are my my spiritual children. These are people that I poured my heart into. And so it says my heart and my desire is that, that whether I'm here or not, you're going to live the same. Just like what you want from your kids when you leave them alone. You want them to do what's right. You know, at your jobs, you need to be the kind of person that your boss doesn't have to be standing there watching over you to make sure you're doing everything. You know, well, because he's got a lot more people to worry about than just you. God wants, God wants to be able to trust us, even though he's always watching over us. He wants to know that we're going to do the right thing, whether we think anybody else is watching or not. And the Apostle Paul is saying the same thing here. And he says here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that's not to say you can never work enough to earn your salvation. What that's saying is you are responsible for your relationship with God. You are responsible to make sure that you, you put in the time and you put in the effort to maintain that relationship. It's not anybody else's responsibility. It's not the pastor's responsibility to make sure that you're doing your due diligence with God. It's not your mom's responsibility to make sure you're doing your due diligence for God. It's not your, your spouse's responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. Paul's saying, listen, work out your own salvation. Make sure you're, you're doing the things that, it, that you need to do to, to maintain a thriving, living, exciting relationship with Jesus Christ. We've all heard that saying, the devil made me do it. that's not going to work when we stand before God. He's going to say, don't you remember what I told you in the Word? The devil's going to try to make you do it, don't get me wrong. But the devil tried to make Jesus fall. The devil tried to get Jesus off track. And he is trying for on each one of us daily to get us off track. But we cannot blame him if we go off track. It's our responsibility. Work it out ourselves. We need, we need to put in the time and the effort. What about, well, they were a bad influence on me. How many has ever been around somebody that's a bad influence? Come on. And sometimes you're saying, the pa- it's you, Pastor. Come on. We all have had people in our lives that were bad influences on us. Sometimes we have allowed that influence to cause us to do things we had not to do, right? But it's our fault, not theirs. We can blame them all we want to. We can say, well, if I if they hadn't, uh, you know, poked me a little bit, I wouldn't have. But it's us. And 
We, and, and, and until we recognize that, and until we deal with that, until we take ownership of that, we, we really can't be the person God wants us to be because we're always going to be blaming somebody else for the, is the reason I did what I did. I, I got mad because they did that. I did this because they did that. And although that's easy to say, we need to really take a look at our response and say, listen, yeah, they did that, and that wasn't right. But I'm going to choose to respond differently. I'm going to choose to do what's right. That doesn't mean you don't address situations. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is we cannot blame someone else for how we get off track. <laughs> I, uh, I often think of growing up, and, and I had a lot of bad influences in my life. Um, I was related to most of them. No, not that kind, Lynn. And I'll be honest with you, there were times when I let them influence me to do things I shouldn't. But it was me that did it. It was me that allowed my guard down. It was me that allowed myself to say yes to an influence that was wrong. And so unless I take ownership of that, unless I say yes, I failed. I'm never going to get to the place I need to be. The next thing I want to look at is Paul addresses here. He talks about accountability, then he talks about advancement. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of your destruction, but of your salvation, their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. You see, as I think about this, as I look at, at this, we're dealing with more than just a today. What happens today? We're looking at a life. We're looking at, at as we live our lives. It's, it's not about what I did today, but it's about a lifelong, lifetime commitment to God and growing in Him, and, 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 and reaching new heights for Him. And so we look about our manner of life, and our manner of life, we should be growing in the faith. We should be growing in knowledge. We should be growing in, in our actions towards others. We should be growing on a daily basis towards the fullness of what God has for us. Each day should be a day when, when we, we will allow the Lord to help us to grow a little bit more. We look at children and, and we see their advancements. You know, we, we just went out and we just saw uh, our, our youngest, Riley, and, and you can see the, the changes and you can see what she could do today that she couldn't do the last time we were there. And, and you see your toddlers or you see as you send your kids to preschool and then to kindergarten and then you watch them graduate high school and college and you think, wow, I'm old. No, no, that's not where I'm at. No, You think, wow, how much they've grown, how much they've learned, how, how much they've allowed themselves to mature. And that's the way it's supposed to work. And then you see, sometimes you see people and you think, wow, they haven't grown up a bit. They're still as immature as they were when we were in high school. You know, 
and and, and you, you see all that, but you realize spiritually, God has designed us for advancement. Not the kind of advancement that wins us awards and 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 trophies, but the kind of advancement that helps us to draw closer to Him. And the closer we get to Him, the more we do His work, the more people see in us something that is desirable. The greater love we have for, for others will help us to want to reach them more. And, and so it's an advancement that's not based on, on what I can be, what I can put in my, my uh, trophy closet, but it's an advancement based on how can I more please my God? How can I more bring honor and glory to Him? How can I more be the kind of person that He wants me to be? You know, that, that, that accomplishment, you know, that, that as a child, when they give you something that they've done and you give them that, wow, that's awesome. And really it's not. But it's an effort. They gave it their best and at their level it was beautiful. It was awesome. And, and you say, wow, that's awesome. That's what we're doing with God. He, he pats us on the back and, and He loves us in spite of sometimes our, our falters and, and sometimes it ain't perfect, but we're trying our best and He keeps encouraging us and He keeps saying, hey, come on, that's great, man. Now let's grow a little bit and we're going to do it a little bit different. We're going we're to keep moving down the line and as you grow and as you mature, you're going to realize that everything that you do is... Uh, Kelsey sent us a picture the other day of, some, of, of, of uh, Hazel's Draw, first people drawings and then some time later and then some time later. How they change. Why? Because our perception changes and, and, and our brain changes. And the, and the same is true spiritually. As we grow in the Lord, we realize more and more the fullness of His love and the fullness of His grace. We realize more and more that He has called us for a purpose and it's not just to come sit in a pew, but it's to reach the lost. It's to grow in Him so that we can do more for him. We should be pushing ourselves. You know, probably one of the things that if you've ever seen the, that movie, um, the football movie, the Christian movie where the kid's on the ground and facing the giants, where that, that kid's down on the ground, and he's blindfolded, he's got somebody else on his back, and the coach just said, Go as far as you can. Go as far as you can. And the kid's like, Oh, mom, as far as I can go. And the coach, he says, Go a little more. Go a little more. And the kid, by the time he's done, he goes the whole distance of the field. And, and, and what that means is we just keep pushing ourselves with God. We just keep letting God encourage us to go a little more and encouraging us just to keep it up, even though it hurts, even though we want to quit, even though we're tired, we can just let God, we let God, when God's standing there cheering us on, we just keep going. If we just keep saying yes to Him, we're just going to keep going a little further. We keep saying yes to Him and we're going to keep going a little further. 2 Peter chapter 3.18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter says, keep growing in the Lord. Keep growing in His knowledge, in His grace. Keep growing. How do you keep growing? You keep being fed. You keep being watered. You keep being fertilized. You keep allowing yourself to be, the weeds to be pulled out. 
Peter's encouraging us here to continue to do the things that we know are right, to continue to grow in the Lord and let Him do stuff in us. Also, sometimes we've got to be pruned to keep growing. All those things we need to submit to the Lord. Some of the things Paul encouraged them to work on is to stand firm. He says, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm here or if I'm not here. I want to hear about the fact that you're standing firm in the faith. Stand firm. Stand for what's right. Stand in the midst of a perverse society and say, no, that's not right. That's not right. This is what the Word of God says. Stay united. Stick together. Work together. Toil together. There's a whole lot more strength in us as we stand together. No matter what comes our way, we need people that we can depend on spiritually. You know, as growing up as a as a young young man, I had two brothers, and they sometimes were not very nice to me. And they could be mean. But I guarantee you, if I ever got in a fight, I'd never have to worry about wh- whether or not my brothers was going was to stand beside me. And they were kind of scary, so I wasn't too worried. But if it, there was ever a worry, and my brothers were standing there, we could have just gotten a knockdown drag out ourselves, but if somebody else tried, believe me, they're coming. That's our God. We need to stand firm and we we need to realize that that as a body of believers, we will stand together in unity so that if our brother has somebody attacking him, we're going to be there with him and he doesn't have to worry about it because we're standing with him. Instead of saying, well, I told you about him. I knew that was going to happen. We say, listen, he's a brother in Christ. He ain't perfect, but I'm not perfect. So I'm going to stand there and we're going to take, we're going to take it together. And if I have to, I'm going to stand in front of him and give him a little relief. That's what we do when we're united. That's what we do when, when we, we stand firm together. He also told us to be courageous. Don't be afraid of your, by your opponents. When your opponents come against you, realize that's speaking to their destruction, but it's speaking to your Grace, it's speaking to your victory. It's speaking to the fact that you serve a God who is on your side. You see, one day every enemy of God is going to be crushed and destroyed. And when people come against you, they're not coming against you, they're coming against the God that's in you. And believe me, God takes notice of that. He still loves them, yes, but you're His child. And He takes note. And in the end, in the end, when the righteous stand up, the unrighteous will be destroyed. The last thing I want to talk about, I think, is affliction. You see, a lot of things are going to come our way. In life, there's going to be sickness, There's going to be heartache. There's going to be struggles. 
I want us to understand something. We've got God, and He's got this. We've got God, and He's got this. Paul says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, woo, but suffer for Him. We like some of the word, and some of the word we don't like so much, but it's all the word, right? It's all the truth. Engaged in the same conflict that you and I, that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Come on now. Paul says, listen, you heard about the conflict I had. Well, guess what? I still have it. And you're going to be a part of that as well because they're going to come against you as well. So Paul was reminding them, listen, this is just the way it is. This is the way it is. But remember, we have the privilege of suffering for Christ. We have the privilege as Christians, when people come against us because of our Christianity, because of our faith, we have the privilege of allowing that suffering to come because we are followers of Christ. And he said himself, if they're going to do this to the master, how much more are they going to do to the servants? If they beat me, they're going to beat you. If they spit in my face, they're going to spit in your face. If they call me names, they're going to call you names even more. And it, does, it hurts, and we don't like it. And sometimes we think, why me? Why me? Why do I have, you know, I'm just trying to do what's right. But then we remember, we get the privilege. We get the privilege of suffering for Christ's sake. Because of what he has done for us, he has allowed us the privilege of sharing in that suffering. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should, be, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. You see, he knew it all along. He knew he was going to have to suffer. He knew that that was, that was in his future. But he also knew that through that, he would be showing us the way. He'd be showing us that even through all of that, there was victory. Even though we go to our death for Him, that hopefully maybe none of us will ever have to go to, but if we do, even through that, there is victory at the end. James 1.3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, I doubt that any one of you, including myself, are going to wake up tomorrow and say, Oh, Lord, test my faith today. Throw me a trial, a big one. No, I'm not praying that. But when the trials come, the, the promise that I can stand on is when I come through that with Him, when it's all over, when the victory is won, my faith will be strengthened. Why? So Because there's probably another one around the corner and somebody else might be going through something that I can touch and help them. And say, listen, I'm not telling you this for any other reason than except to know that my God is able to bring you through. My God is able to supply your every need. 
First Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The test that tested the genuineness of your faith. See, genuineness can be tested. And many times it's the telling factor, is it genuine or is it not? You know, I've, uh, you watch these, these shows and these people, pickers and, and the antique road show and all these things. And, and there's somebody that has, to, that has to attest to the genuineness of an article, whether it be an antique or a, a, a jewel. When you go buy a, a diamond ring, don't you kind of want somebody to look at that and say, yeah, that's a real diamond? <laughs> or something like that. Because there are tests that prove genuineness. Many times in relationships, there are tests that come along that test the genuineness of that relationship. Sometimes it's not a very genuine relationship and it don't make it. And sometimes it's a genuine relationship and you figure out a way to work through the tests. And you figure out a way to hold on no matter what. The same is true with our faith. I've seen way too many people not have a genuine faith. And how do I know it wasn't a genuine faith? Because when the test came, they fell apart and they walked away. Yes, they, they had faith. But it but they didn't allow God to, to, to build that so strong that when the tests came and the trials came, they were willing to give it up. They were willing to walk away from their faith. You see, many times as Christians, we're going to go through things that are going to test the genuineness of our faith. How will you respond? What will happen at the end of that trial, will you be found faithful or faithless? You see, I've seen it happen both ways so many times. I've seen people that have went through the most horrific trials and when they got to the other side, the most wonderful testimony of God's love and mercy. And I know I've got some personal friends that have just went through some stuff. And, and I hear their testimony, and I, I think, wow, what a God we serve, that they can go through that. And they can attest to God's goodness. Why? Because it was a genuine faith. It was a faith that couldn't be shaken or destroyed by the things of the world or by the tricks of the enemy or by, or by the things of life that happened. But it was a faith that says, yeah, this is going to be a struggle and this is going to be a battle and this is going to be hard and I'm not going to understand it and I don't, know how even, I don't even know how God's going to help me through it, but I know that He will if I just keep holding on to His hand. That's the kind of faith the Apostle Paul wanted to see built into the church. 
that whether he was there to lead them or whether he was there to, 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 talk, to talk to them, whether he was there to preach to them, whether he was there to pray for them, it didn't matter because their faith wasn't built in him. Their faith was an unshakable faith that was built upon the founder and the maker of their faith, Jesus Christ. And so as he's writing this letter from prison, <laughs> didn't know his future, didn't know how many more letters he was going to get to write. Didn't know how much, how much more time he was going to have to preach. Didn't know how many times or whether or not he would ever get a hug the neck of one of those people again. He said, listen, my desire is that you stand firm in the faith through the affliction, through everything that's going to come about, you're going to stand firm in your faith. You see, we are in a conflict. We are in a battle. It's raging. It's, it's, it's going crazy. But it's a conflict that will be won or lost in your life. You will either win the conflict and stand victorious with God, or you will step away from the conflict and lose. The battle that rages for your souls is, is going on today and it's going to go on tomorrow. And you're either going to win it or lose it. There's no middle ground. See, the Bible talks about a wide road and a narrow road, doesn't it? It doesn't talk about one in between that maybe you can be on. It talks about the fact you're either, you're either serving Him or you're not serving Him. And in the end, the, the wide road leads to destruction and the narrow road leads to life eternal. And the question is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to get on and stay on the narrow road? And the Apostle Paul, as he writes this letter from prison, he's encouraging those in the church. He's saying, listen, get on that road. And no matter what it takes and no matter how hard you have to fight and no matter what comes along, don't let anything keep you from staying on that road and entering into life everlasting. Would you bow your heads this morning? Each one of us has our, has our own life to live. Each one of us is in a different place. Each one of us is battling a different battle. But God knows each one. And God's here to help each one of us in our specific area of need. Maybe we're struggling with admitting that it's us that is the reason we're in our situation. We need to be accountable this morning. Maybe we're, we're going through that affliction today and we're really struggling. No matter where we're at on this, in this road, in this battle, in this circumstance, in our faith, God is here to help you to grow. God is help you to over, here to help you overcome your situation today so that you can step into greater work for Him tomorrow. But it's up to us today. It's up to us to step up it's up to us today to let Him do what He wants to do. Because no matter what we're at, where we're at this morning, His desire is that we go further. Lord, right now as Your Holy Spirit is just kneeling with our hearts, 
God, I ask that you would begin to speak into us, into the areas of our life where we're struggling, the areas of our life where we're in, we're in desperate need today. Maybe we've been crying out to you for a certain thing for so long and we're losing heart. God, renew in us, God, that, that, that faith that you are in control. Renew in us, Lord, that, that, that stand firm, not going to give in to the devil attitude. Renew in us that unity of the faith, Lord, where we're willing to stand for our brother or our sister and take a bullet if we have to spiritually. But God, we're going to stand together. No matter where it is, Lord, that we've been wavering today, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that you are here to meet us at that point. And Lord, if even if we're here this morning, and we haven't even accepted you as our personal Savior, that you are here to meet us, to bring us to that place of, of salvation today. So Lord, wherever we find ourselves, help us to respond to the Holy Spirit. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today. I would just simply want to ask you if the Lord is dealing with your heart through this sermon about a point in your life where you just need to give it to Him today. I just want you to raise your hand if that's you. Yes, thank you for those hands this morning. Before, before we close in prayer and we pray for that, I, I would just ask if there would be one here this morning or two or three that would say, Pastor, I just need to give my life to Jesus today. I haven't done it. I'm not living for Him. I'm not a Christian. But today I recognize my need to give my life to the Savior. Would that be you this morning? Would you raise your hand so I can pray with you as well? Would there be one? Why don't we all stand? I want this closing time of prayer to be a time where you just tell God yes to whatever He's speaking into your life this morning. Lord, I thank you for those hands that went up this morning. There are specific, I mean specific things I believe that you're saying this morning. It's not vague and it's not well this or what, but it's something specific and they've raised their hand. And today, Lord, I have faith to believe that you are meeting us in this place, in our spirits today to speak to us life into those areas. Lord, hope into those areas. God, direction into those areas so that when we leave this place, we have orders from the, the Heavenly Father and ways to do what you've asked us to do today. God, I believe that you're speaking over us so that we can be the people of God that you've called us to be. Whether anybody else sees it, you do. And so, Lord God, today we leave this place victorious in the name of Jesus because we've listened, we've heard your voice, and we've responded to the call. Lord, so go with us as we go. I do pray for your protection as we leave and, and as we come back tonight for life groups, God. Just be with us and strengthen us as we go. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.